0: Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everybody this morning? Merry Christmas. Welcome to those on Facebook this morning watching the service. Glad to have you with us. And, um... Uh, before we get started, why don't we go ahead and let's lift up some people this morning in prayer as they uh, are not being able to be with us. Lord, we just thank you this morning for those that are traveling. Lord, we, it's, we've, we think it's an awesome thing for family to, to be able to get together or people to get with their friends. Uh, and Lord, we just thank you for your, uh, your protection over them as they travel to and from. And Lord, I thank you they come back refreshed, they have a great time uh, being there. And, of course, you will be the one that's lifted up during this season. And we just give you praise for it. Lord, we lift up those to you this morning that's having to deal with any kind of physical illnesses in their body. And we speak life to them right now in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we thank you that you paid a price that they could be whole. And, Lord, we just speak and declare wholeness over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, this is the uh, fourth week of Advent. And uh, today was... The message or the theme is going to be on peace. The first one, of course, was on hope, and uh, the second one was the uh, on faith, and last week was on joy, and this week it's on peace. How many of you know those are four things that we don't need to leave home without? Amen? And, uh, you know, I had a lot of fun reading and going through uh, studying on hope and uh, understanding that we are living in between two advents makes A world of difference at this time of year. If all you're doing is focusing on one day, we're sure doing a lot of uh, traveling up and down the highways, going a lot shopping and everything about something uh, of Jesus' birth. But guess what? Just as important as his birth is his coming again. Amen? And he's coming again soon. And we're closer than we've ever been. Amen? And it is amazing that the apostle Peter wrote in, in, in his epistle, Uh, based about talking about the second coming and probably in his mind it might have been that he thought it was going to come maybe with any day and apostle paul did the same thing and and uh, john apostle john all of these lived uh, their life based on his coming was immediately just you know could be any minute and you know we need to live our life that way that at any time he could come and what's real good about it is we can live our life every day uh, as if he is, really is, he's living within us, live it, let him live it through, uh, through us, his life lived through us, amen? Glory to God. Well, this week, like I said, it would be peace, and we're going to begin by reading a particular scripture found in Isaiah uh, chapter 9, verse 6, especially at this time of year. I'm sure this scripture is being read all over the world this morning. It says in Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David, and upon his kingdom." To order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. How many of you know that on Christmas that there are a lot of people who acknowledge that a child was born named Jesus? There's a lot of people all over the world that acknowledge that there was a child named Jesus that was born. But as believers, we acknowledge That a son was given. That's the difference. There's a lot of people that. Oh yeah there was a a guy named Jesus. That was born. uh, Or Yeshua. Who was born uh, a long time ago. We acknowledge that 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 happened. Some people say he was a prophet. Some say this. Some say that. But as believers. We understand that it was a son. That was given. A son that was given. Amen. And of course these. This particular scriptures here uh, in verse nine and six speaks of the increase of his government or the increase of his empire, though his rule upon the earth and in people's lives. And it says, and peace. So there was an increase by his coming. This was prophesied that would increase the kingdom of God as far as the amount of people. And it says, and peace And the best thing of all, it says, and there shall be no end. How many of you are glad that there's no end to peace? I like that. I like that a lot. So in the New Testament, in chapter 2 of Luke's gospel, we'll begin reading there this morning because this is the fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah, all the way through about the being of the seed of David and so forth. It says in Luke 1, it says, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed every one of his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary his espoused wife, being great with child. And it was, and so it was, that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Let's pray. Lord, I ask you this morning to bless your people with a fresh revelation of the scriptures that we just read, revelation of all that was accomplished by the giving of your son Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Lord, I thank you that as we receive this revelation from you this morning, we thank you, Lord, that we apply it in our life not just for a certain season of the year as, as we are celebrating now, but for all year, every day, everywhere we go. And Lord, I thank you that we walk in this revelation that you're going to give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I could be wrong, but I'm going to make a statement that I believe you'll probably agree with, and that is that, most, that the most commonly misused and misapplied word in the language of man is love. Oh, I love this, I love that. You know, we, we have all of these things that we talk about, you know, and say we love and love and love. And, and we know in the scriptures that we find that love, the Bible says that no greater love does a man have than to lie down, lay down his life for his friends. Now, that'd be the ultimate love, would it not? And I don't know about you, but I wouldn't lay my life down for a Hershey bar, although I love Hershey bars, Okay. And if you want to, you can get me one of those big block ones, you know, about this big, you know, about a half a pound one. You could knock a, windch- a pickup windshield out with those, you know. And, uh, but I think that the second word, the one that, uh, if love is the most misused and misunderstood word in our language, I would say that the second one would probably be the word peace. The word peace. And if, so, let me, and we can do that by saying this, if, uh, If someone was to come and ask you, what is peace? How would you answer them? Think about it. What is peace? How would you answer them? How many of you know that peace is one of those things that everybody wants? But most people don't have a clue on how to acquire peace. And if they do manage to acquire peace, they have no clue on how to live in peace. And that's where we are, a lot of us. This morning, I went out about four something, and I took the dog out, and I was kind of just standing out there meditating about the uh, message this morning. And the Lord brought to my attention, he, he asked me a question. He says, he said, do you, do you use your cell phone a lot? And I thought, well, Lord, Lord you know. I mean, but I knew that he was going to reveal something to me. And so I was asking, you know, he asked me, he said, do you use your cell phone a lot? And I said, well, I I use it, you know, to call and basically. And he says, how much more do you use your cell phone? I said, well, I text with my cell phone and I get email with my cell phone. I use the calendar on my cell phone. I use the calculator on my cell phone. I use the, 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 the camera on my cell phone. I use the notes. I use the Bible app. I look at the stock market on it. I read articles on it. I said, Lord, I, I, I use it quite a bit. I, I, I thought just basically I was thinking about all I ever do to a phone is just to talk on it. But the truth of the matter is I use my cell phone a whole lot for a lot of things that has nothing to do with just talking. Sending emails, writing documents, signing Something, DocuSend or whatever, doing lots of things with a cell phone. And he said, do you use your cell phone to its maximum potential? I said, absolutely not. And I don't want to. I said, there's things my cell phone c- can do that I don't even have a clue of. And he said, you know, the same is true with peace in people's life. He said, although they have peace, when they made peace with me and received Jesus as, my, as their Savior, they received peace. But although they have peace, they don't know what to do with it. They don't really understand what all they have. And I thought, wow. Never really thought about that. So this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about peace. And uh, because it's so important if Jesus is the Prince of Peace and we've received the Prince of Peace into our life, shouldn't we understand a little bit about what that peace is? So before we do, let's go over some things what peace is not. How about that? <laughs> what peace is not is uh, the absence of activity. A lot of times people think that peace would be, well, just doing nothing. Just doing nothing. Many people have a concept that peace is the absence of conflict. Now, nobody likes conflict, uh, but many people's thinking that that's what peace is. The absence of any conflict. Hmm. This falls way short of biblical meaning of peace, if that's the case. We often use the word peace and quiet, don't we? What we're saying is, is, Or referring to is the fact that we just want some peace and quiet. We want some rest. We want to be left alone. But that's not peace. Not biblical peace. How many of you know that peace and quiet is, I mean, peace is more than just living without anger? Huh? Some people live constantly holding back anger. Have you ever thought about people who lose their temper? Did they really lose it or did they just express it? Huh? So you don't really lose your peace. What you really need to do is just express your peace. let it live through you. Scripturally, peace is not the absence of conflict. If the absence of conflict was a prerequisite for peace, then the Prince of Peace didn't have peace. Because the Prince of Peace was lied on, cheated, stolen from, beat, crucified. Everywhere he went, they wanted to throw him off a cliff. His own family told him, said he was a lunatic. So if that being the case, if a prerequisite is the absence for peace is the absence of conflict, then the Prince of Peace didn't have much peace. So it's quite obvious that these things do not define peace. So what is peace then? See how would you respond to people? What peace is, if they ask you? Well, what is peace? How would you define it? The absence of conflict? Well, that's not that's not what the word says. How many of you know that peace is regarded as one of the supreme virtues? I mean, that that would be one that uh, that everybody would desire, and yet I think is probably missing in more people's daily living than any other virtue. See, we think that if we get rid of all of our problems that we have in our life, that we'll have peace. And if we do, then, and only then, can we have peace. Got to get rid of all the problems that we're dealing with, we'll have peace. And if we get rid of the stress in our life, then we can have peace, right? We can just get rid of stress. If we can just get that new job, we'll have peace. Hmm. How about this, if we can just pay off our credit cards? then we'll be at peace. And if we can just get on top of everyday living, if we can just get on top of some things, then we can have peace. How many of you know if this is what is needed to achieve peace, we're just never going to have peace? If these are things that we got to do to get peace, we're never, ever going to have peace. Matter of fact, Jesus said this in in John 16, verse 33. He said this. He said, these things have I spoken unto you that in me, in me, you might have peace. I've told you about some things that's going to be happening. And he says, I've told you these things that in me you'll have peace. And this is what he said. In the world you'll have tribulation. There'll be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. So he said, in the world you'll have tribulation. So, how could you be in the midst of a conflict of tribulation, of whatever is going, you're going through, and be in peace? Well, it's by being in him. You see, the absence of tribulation is not peace, peace is being in him. And we're going to see more of that. That's the thrust of what I want us to get a hold of today. I want to put that up front because I don't want us to get lost in this. So what is biblical peace then? What does the Bible say that biblical peace is? Since we already know that it's not the absence of conflict. Since we know it's not about paying off your credit cards or not arguing, not losing your temper. We know it's not about getting a new job. Since we know these things do not bring peace, then what does? What is peace then? Biblically, the word peace in the Hebrew would be shalom. And it means, get a load of this, health, welfare, and completeness. So when someone said shalom, they were talking about hope you're healed, hope you're well. I hope you're prospering. I hope every need in your life is met. I hope you're complete in every area of life. Matter of fact, Vines Expository Dictionary said this about peace. It's, it, it says, it is expressed, the expressed root meaning of it is to be whole. To be whole. You know, the more I've meditated on this, this past couple of weeks about peace, the more i found that the Prince of Peace made it possible for us to be whole. Up until the time he came, we could not be whole. We could be in relationship with the Lord. Abraham was, Moses was, David was, but it was not a wholeness like it's, like we have available to us. A wholeness. Shalom means this as well. If you uh, were to greet somebody, uh, okay, being that peace means health, Welfare and completeness. It also signifies this. The revealing of a prosperous relationship between two or more. That is what we happened when Jesus came into our life. Shalom. Peace. A revealing of a prosperous relationship with the Lord. A completeness taking place in our life. So, biblically, peace has nothing to do with the absence of conflict has everything to do with being whole, being complete, having your every need met, having no sickness in your body, having, you know, receiving all that he has for us, amen? So I'd like, uh, I like that, I don't know about you, Uh, so maybe I'm wondering right now if you're awake, but uh, God wants us healthy, amen? He wants us prosperous. He wants us to be complete. He wants us whole. And God desires a relationship with his children. Now, there's a few things that I've learned over the years. Being that I'm 67, I've uh, learned a few things. And one of the things that I've learned in life is that it's not about how fast you run. It's not about how high you can climb. And it's not how well you bounce when you hit the floor. Or a wall or anything else. I've learned that. And that's pretty good. Because we need to learn those things. But in life, I've also found out and learned that you need to forgive your enemies to keep yourself free. Amen? And besides that, it messes with their head. So if you want to be free, forgive your enemies and let it mess with their head. In life, I've found that discipline. Outperforms talents and education every day. I'll say that one again because we really need to get a hold of that. That discipline outperforms talent and education every day. I might minister that on that one day. In life, I found that every path has mud puddles, every path has mud puddles. Even the ones the Lord leads you down, it'll have mud puddles. But you know what? You'll get wet, but eventually you'll dry out. Okay? In life, I've learned that. In life, I've also come to realize you never corner anything that's meaner than you. <laughs> Some of you, by the looks on your faces, say, I can relate to that. I, I, I can. There's imaginations just running rampant right now of being Cornered, cornering of some kind of animal or whatever. Also learned in life, words that sink into your soul are whispered, not shouted. Words that sink into your soul, that remains forever, or words that are whispered, that still small voice of God. They're not words that are shouted in anger. Last but not least, in life, if you want to live in peace, you're going to have to learn to trust God. If you're going to live in peace, you're going to have to learn to trust God. You know, when you were born again, you received the Prince of Peace, and what I want to do today is to minister on what happened when you received that peace and how to live in it, how to live in it. Again, peace is not getting rid of all your problems. If that's the case, Jesus didn't have peace. Because everywhere he went, there was a conflict. Living in peace comes by trusting God. What does God's word say? Do I trust him? Do I trust what he said more than what I see? You see, the world has this thing, and we've all lived in it, and we have to learn to break it, and that is to live by what we see instead of by faith. What did God say? What did he say? We go by everything we out there we see. And just as it is that we have to grow in faith, we grow in love, we grow in our freedom, we also have to grow in our peace. We have to have opportunity to grow every single day in peace. There was a song out when I was growing up uh, that the Beatles sang. It says, does, does your love grow? You know? And he said, I don't know. You know, that's part of the song. But I've come to find out that every single day, our faith needs to be growing. Our love needs to be growing. Our freedoms that God has given us. He's made us free. It should be being expressed and growing. And our peace should be growing. When we start hearing things on the news. It shouldn't affect us like it did when we were younger. When we start hearing the, the politicians talk about this taxation. And that taxation. What they're going to do. and uh, it, 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 We should be at peace. Why? Because the prince of peace dwells in here. The prince of what? The prince of Health dwells in here. The prince of what? The prince of uh, welfare dwells in here. The prince of completeness dwells in here. Are you hearing me? Not the word peace. But everything that we are dwells in here. So it doesn't matter what's taking place everywhere else. We're going to build on that. See, we have to tap into the power of God through his word. Hebrews 4:12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of our soul and the real man, the spirit, and the joints and the marrows, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. The word of God will do that. So as we learn the word of God, what does God's word say? Then we can start looking at our old man thinking and judging it and and bringing it up alongside of what the new man thinking is. What does the word say who we are? And start comparing and say, well, now, why am I believing the old man when Jesus has made me a new man? Why is it that I want to live in fear when the Lord told me to live in trust? And we start, see, the Word of God will start doing that. It starts dividing the the old thinking, the old man, the old ways with the new. It starts revealing it, but you have to take the time to do it. And so as we learn the Word of God, it does that very thing. It cuts in half. It divides and says, this is the thoughts and intents of your heart. And so it's so important to do that. So one of our greatest sources of power... And our greatest source of strength is peace. And if we want to experience God's power, we must learn to live in and saturate our lives with his word. Who did, what does the word say about us? How many of you know that we can get so wrapped up in life that we forget to be wrapped up in him? Hmm? And that's the trick of the devil. That's what he wants to do constantly. He doesn't come and, and, and try to tell you that you're not saved. He just comes to get you distracted with everything else, with all the other stuff. We talk about peace as if, as if it's something that's going to happen. You ever noticed that? <laughs> something that occurs when conflict and problems aren't present. Yeah. Peace, yeah, that's what happens when, that's, then when you know, it's just going to happen, and it's going to happen when we don't have a problem. And that's our thinking, our everyday thinking, the old man thinking of peace, and we have to embrace what does the word say peace really is. If you're going to walk in it, you really need to understand what it is we're to walk in. You follow what I'm saying? And God says that the prince of peace was given about 2,000 years ago, on a particular night that we're fixing to celebrate, the Christmas, the celebration of Christ coming into this earth, and he called him the Prince of Peace, we ought to know who that peace is. And if he's come to dwell in us, that peace, then we really need to grasp what peace really is and how we can apply it to everyday life. Reality is that peace is an attribute of God. It's, it's, it's his nature it's his character it's who he is and the more we fellowship with him the more we're going to take on that peace if you more you fellowship with the uh, Fox News and CNN and all that the more you're going to take on the way they feel huh your narrative will change but the more you hang out with the prince of peace the more peace you're going to walk in Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. Delight, gladden yourself in Him. Again, I say rejoice. Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your consideration, your, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near. He's coming soon. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything, By prayer and petition, your divine request with thanksgiving continue to make your request known to God. And then he said this, and God's peace, say God's peace, God's peace shall be yours. That tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and being confident and being content with its earthly lot. Of whatever sort that is, that peace, which transcends all of your understanding, shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And God's peace. I like that. God's peace. We'll find before the service is over that Jesus says, my peace, I leave you. Here we're seeing Paul said God's peace. God's, what? His his health? I've never known God to be sick. He said, your welfare? I've never known heaven to experience an economic crisis. He said, his completeness, God's completeness, he's whole. That's what's going to dwell in us. Are you getting this? It's not about the absence of conflict. He says, and this type of peace transcends all of your understanding. In other words, all of your ability to live by sight. Everything that you live by sight instead of by faith. He said, this transcends all of your understanding about that. How many of you know since the Garden of Eden, man has never known peace? The only time in the scripture before jesus came that man ever experienced peace was in the garden of eden before sin how many of you realize that right away in the garden of eden when we when we, when adam and eve uh, disobeyed god partook of the fruit that was forbidden immediately they realized they were fearful never before had they been fearful I heard god walking in the garden calling adam and he said they went and hid themselves because they were afraid. And he said, well, why were you afraid? He says, because we were naked. He says, well, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of that fruit? They never knew anything but peace, completeness, health, wholeness, welfare, until that moment. They lived in peace because peace is an attribute of God, and he breathed it into Adam in the beginning. But after that, peace left. Peace was no longer there. They've yearned for peace ever since. Mankind has yearned for peace. You see, peace is not the absence of conflict like darkness is the absence of light. Again, peace is not uh, avoiding an argument with your spouse over a hot topic. Peace is not found in the stillness of a of a mountain meadow or uh, that steam of a cow gone by bath you know calling for you in the middle of the night or some new age music while you're sipping on coffee that's not what peace is you know in our country we even have laws about disturbing the peace huh we've got nations all around the world that talk about peace they want peace they say they want peace but yet they, they even talk about when they're going to start peace. Well, we're going to wait about a month and a half, and then we'll be at peace. Well, how many people got to die till then? So they talk about peace, how they can have peace, but they never find peace. They never find peace. And the reason being is that in man there is no peace outside of Christ. Ever since the fall, man has not been at peace. Man was made to worship his creator. And when man rejects his creator and goes his own way, he rejects peace. So he can't live in peace. So he chose to walk down a path that's full of turmoil from without and from within. It affects everything from without, and it affects everything within. So that's what he lives in. A lack. Hurt. Now this morning, the scripture verse that we read there in second, I mean in, in uh, Luke chapter two, is about the way a lot of times people read and interpret the Word of God. And I want to show you something here to point out to you that an unbeliever may would recognize and you just read over it and don't think about it because you believe the word. But this is what they would read. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And an unbeliever maybe would look at that, and they would say this. Well, must not have happened. Couldn't have happened. Don't believe it happened. And why would they say that? Because they see all the chaos that's in the earth. The angel said, and on earth peace. Well, apparently peace doesn't last, or he never did bring it. Because the world's full of chaos. The world's full of sickness. The world's full of hunger. The world's full of wars. And every man that walks the face of the earth doesn't know Christ is full of anxiety. So apparently peace didn't come. Based on what he said. He said on earth peace comes. But that's not what he said here. He said and suddenly there appeared an angel. A multitude of heavenly hosts. Praising God. And saying, glory to God in the highest. Now this is the way the New American Standard says it. And on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Peace among men who he is pleased. Well, either that didn't happen or he ain't pleased with anybody. One or the other. Well, let's try a different version then. Amplify says, glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace among men with whom he is well pleased, men of good will. Oh, so now it's going to be about our works that we get peace. Is that right? Well that, that 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 can't be what he's saying either. So let's try the new international version. Surely one of them will be right, right? Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace to men of whom his favor rest. Well, at that particular time didn't know, his favor didn't rest on anybody. So what did the angel say? Or did the angel miss his assignment? Maybe he misunderstood what he was supposed to do. But I find that hard to believe since the whole heavenly host missed it as well. So maybe what we need to do is find out biblically, based on what the Word says, what did really happen 2,000 years ago about peace? You see, there was a philosopher who, back in the first century who wrote this about the Roman Empire, about peace that existed during the time of Caesar. He said, While the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart, for which man yearns more than outward peace. Now this guy, he got a hold of something. He realizes that peace is not the absence of conflict. It's happening down in here. What is it inside a man that's lacking? And so as we begin to look at this scripture verse here, verse 14, makes us start evaluating some things. How can the angel pronounce peace among men with whom God is pleased when we know that he wasn't pleased with anybody? Huh? Huh? It wasn't that, that we earned, that man got strong enough and good enough and everything, that now it's all, all conditions are met, we're going to send Jesus. Had nothing to do with that. Had everything to do with his love towards us. But the first clue is found in verse 12. It says, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And immediately after he said that, the multitude of angels began to sing God's praises and blessings. Well, our first clue ought to be the fact that is that God's glory and man's peace rest in the manger. Man's peace rest in that manger. It's not about men and living, doing good things. It's about the peace was in the manger. And the angels are saying that through the birth of Jesus, true peace will come to earth. Jesus coming meant peace with god and peace given by god through christ see peace is being filled or living in christ that's where peace comes is living in christ how many of you know that you can be living in christ and still be absent from peace because you're living according to the old man but if you're living according to the new man then peace will be there. But does it, not well, maybe I said it this way, you'll be experiencing peace, but is the peace there? How many, I'll say it this way. Has anybody here, since you've been born again, ever sinned? Don't raise your hand. You mean to tell me that you did something, although you were free from all sin, you did something that was against God. God's Word, you committed an act, you did something that you shouldn't have done, but yet you're still saved, right? Could you possibly be filled with the Prince of Peace and still not be at peace? Or maybe I should say it this way, experiencing peace. And God doesn't want that. He doesn't want you living in sin, and He doesn't want you to live without experiencing completeness. Without experiencing without experiencing, welfare, your, your prosperity uh, of, of everyday needs being met. So what did he mean since he said in verse 10 that it was for, remember when I said all man? Remember when I read that? It says, and the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. So this peace was made available to all people, right? But all people weren't being very well, well, they weren't pleasing to God. You know, it's amazing as we read that kind of thing and we see where translations fall way short of what's really being said here. Goodwill towards men, men that are well-pleased. Let me ask, who, who who was well-pleasing at the time? We know it wasn't the Jews. Jews weren't being... We're not living a life that's well pleasing to God. Now, a few people were, but as a whole, they weren't. And we know the Gentile people definitely weren't, right? So it couldn't have been about how pleasing man was in God's eyes. It had everything to do about the Prince of Peace being the son of the one that is peace and him being given. So we should really read it more on the lines of like this. On earth peace among men who are the object of God's pleasure. The object of God's pleasure. How many of you know it pleased the Father to send the Son? It's what the scripture says. John three sixteen. we read, or she read this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever shall, uh, believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He didn't send him to condemn the world, but through the world he might they might be saved. Amen? The 53rd chapter of Isaiah talks about and describes the sufferings of the Messiah, how he'd be pierced for our transgressions, how he'd be crushed for our iniquities, he would be uh, beaten for our healing, and that he would weigh on, carry on his shoulders our chastisement, or our purifying. Verse 10 says that it pleased the Lord to do this to him. He did all this so that we would be whole, so that we would be complete, so we could be healed, so our welfare of all our needs would be met, so that we could live in peace or live in Christ. God demonstrates his love towards us By this in Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, he did what? Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. Why? So that we could have this peace. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Why? Because he looked to you. He looked at me. He saw down the future. He saw this. And it pleased him to take this upon him so that we could be whole. So we could actually live in peace. Because without him, we were lacking. We could never be at peace while we were still lacking Jesus. So he gave us his son. He gave us peace. Amen. I like that. Now the world would look and say, well, if he gave peace living by sight. Then apparently it didn't come because they slaughtered all those babies, hundreds of thousands of babies. Did they not kill them? Herod did right afterwards, trying to get rid of Jesus. The wise men came, remember that? And it was, they lamented all over the, the region there, all those babies destroyed. Well, apparently peace didn't come because they, right after that, they killed John the Baptist They took his head off. See, that's how they would read this. Peace is not about the outward stuff. Peace is what's happening in here, inside. Romans 5, 1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I like that. It's not by merit of any man, but entirely by God's grace. Not by any desire of ours, according to but according to his pleasure. All this happened. So how many of you know that we received Jesus peace, not some imitation. So when we received Jesus, we received his wholeness. We received his completeness. He said right there in the scriptures, peace I leave with you. John 14, 27. Peace I live with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world giveth. I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Peace I leave with you, my peace. My peace. Jesus is talking about his peace he left us. He didn't leave you an imitation. It's not like, well, that's a leather sofa, and then you get up to find out that it's naugahyde. You know, it's not real. He left you his peace. That means You didn't have to make it. You didn't have to try to mold it and fashion it and shape it and what peace really is. No, he says, I've already made it. It's complete. It's whole. It's everything. And I'm just going to give it to you. You can't add to it to make it better. How can you improve on God's peace? He said, I gave you my peace. And he gave you his peace so that you would live In that peace. Not in some other peace. Not in something that you think would be peace. Not what the world would declare as peace. But he said in the midst of every conflict and every problem in the world that is ever going to face. Every sickness, every famine, every disease, every uprising from one nation to another. He said I'm letting you have my peace so that you can live in my peace. That's what he gave us. Yeah, we don't really think about that. We Again, we're so busy thinking that it's the lack of conflict. No. Living in peace is living in Christ. And that's what he brought to us. That was, that's what makes us different than the rest of the world. Jesus gave us peace. The same peace. Not an imitation. Not a look alike but the same peace that he had when he endured temptation you do know jesus was tempted tempted by the devil tempted by man tempted out just like any other person is he was tempted and he says i'm going to give you my peace same peace i had when i was tempted now when you're tempted you can live in that peace you don't have to do it you've got my peace the same peace that Jesus had when he was falsely accused, he said, I'm giving that to you. So when somebody lies on you, you don't have to act that way. I gave you my peace. Did I reach out and slap them? No, I didn't. You don't have to either. Did I call them up and give them a piece of my mind? No. You don't have to either. The same peace that when Jesus was beaten, he said, I put in you. That's why you can turn the other cheek. Well, I don't want to. You don't want to live in peace. What did I tell you a few minutes ago? You don't ever corner something meaner than you. The same peace that Jesus had, Candace, when he was crucified, he gave you. When people are trying to kill you and murder you and run you down and talk about you and everything else, he said, I gave you my peace. Don't be living in your peace and what the world would say. They're not interested in your Kung Fu. What they want to know is, is that peace that you got in you real? Where did it come from? How is it you can refrain from doing that? How is it you didn't take matters into your hand, your own hands? It's because I'm living by peace, the peace that was given me. I'm living in Christ. I'm living in peace. Not an imitation. Same peace. And if his peace worked then, it'll work now. If it ain't working, it's because you ain't living in it. Okay? Let's just get real about it. If it would do if it worked then, it'll work now. How many of you know that Jesus didn't have lesser peace now because he used it all up? No. Say this I have Jesus peace. Let's say it like we mean it. I have Jesus peace. We need to wake up in the morning and say, I got the peace of God in my life. I have Jesus' peace. Yes. Psalms 29 11 says, The Lord will give, you, will give strength to his people, the Lord will bless his people with peace. So, peace must be a blessing to have. Huh? Can you imagine whatever, if it's blessed, you want to have it? And peace. He says, I'm going to bless you with peace. I'm going to give my people peace. And in the day that we live in, the technology and the information age that we live in that we can receive, all the worries of the world, all the worries of the world will come into your house in 30 minutes. We know things that's taking place in Africa, Australia, countries that we don't even know exist, people we've never heard of, we find out about things they've done. We need God's peace. We look at it and we watch that TV screen, we hear about all this stuff, and you know, it doesn't bring us peace. We think, what madman is trying to take over the world and James Bond is dead? We need peace. Isaiah fifty-five twelve says this. It says, For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. How many of you realize we ought to be led forth in peace? We should be led by peace. And I've come to the conclusion in my life and found in my life that I, I allow peace to make my decisions. I look at things and I say, you know what? I'm going to wait on peace. Well, I need this. Well, I'm going to wait on peace. Well, I want this. I'm going to wait on peace. Can you go build that? Yeah, I could build it. But I'm going to wait on peace. I want a new car. My battery's dead. Well, I'm going to wait on peace. I'm not concerned about buying a new car i want to know god do i need it do you want me to have a new car i'm going to wait and weigh my decisions based on peace. what if you look at it and you say maybe i can just get a battery and the holy spirit saying yeah the transmission about to fall out too you better believe for it and while you're at it get an engine too wouldn't it be easier alan just to buy a new car well i don't know about buying a new car lord about those payments he says Hey, I got it. Either you can believe me for the payments, or you can believe me for the new battery, the transmission, and the engine. Now, which one do you want to believe? How about the payments, Lord? Base your decisions on peace. What's God saying? If you don't know at times, just walk around for a few days. If you feel, First of all, if you feel pressured, you've got to make a decision today. Just don't do it. Just say, Lord, I'm going to honor you by not doing nothing. I refuse to be pushed and manipulated by some devil or by my flesh. I'm not going to do it. Be disciplined enough to say no. I don't care what the neighbors think or anybody else. They're not going home where I live. I've got to, I've got to pay this. i got to live with these decisions. So just based on it, walk around for a few days and just say it. You know, I'm going to buy a new car. So I'm going to, I'm going to go buy me a new car. Just walk around for a few days saying that over and over and over and over and over. See how it makes you feel. Then walk around for a few days saying, I'm not going to buy a new car. I'm not doing it. I'm just not going to do it. You'll find peace. You'll find which one is God. Now, I'm, not, I'm not joking. I'm telling you the truth. Start listening to that spirit inside. It will, it will agree with you. You'll find that, that you're prone to one or the other. No, I'm not going to buy it, or yes, I'm going to buy it. You'll find that that thing. Just walk after peace, though. Don't walk in fear. Well, I'm just going to get a new job. I'm going to go find me another place to work. Why? Well, they don't appreciate me down there. What makes you think they're going to appreciate you in a new place? Huh? At least you know where you are now. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Since that didn't go over too well, let's just move on to let peace rule. How about that? Isaiah 26, three says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. I like that. And you know why? It says, because he trusteth in thee. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in you. Trust in God. The word keep there means to guard, protect, maintain. Lord will guard, protect, and maintain you in complete wholeness, nothing lacking peace, health, your welfare, your completeness, your wholeness, whose mind, whose imagination, what things that are framed in your mind, the conception that takes place in your mind of the purpose is stayed, leaned upon, taken control of, to establish, becomes immovable and steadfast, the Prince of Peace. Those that trust and are sure and walk in faith of of God, trusting God. See, he said he's going to keep you. He's going to keep you. He's going to keep you whole. Who? Those whose mind, this thing right here, is stayed is established on the word whose mind not what he saw but whose mind you take control of your mind you say no more we're not going there you want gonna bring the children up you got them coming whose mind is stayed upon you it's in our mind that our imagination goes crazy is it not So if we take our imagination, we submit it unto the Lord, then it can be a holy thing. Huh? How many of you know that you can imagine good things as well as you can bad things? It's amazing to me how many people will put down the imagination when God gave it to you as a gift. You can use your imagination and see yourself blessing your wife, blessing your husband, blessing your children, blessing other people, blessing strangers, helping other people. You can use it that way. You can use it to see how you could steal from them, cheat on them, lie to them, and abuse them. Same mind. But in that mind also, things are framed. I think of that when I read that. That's the definition of Strong's Concordance. In the Bible there, that word mind is things framed. It's conception and, and, and uh, the imagination. Things framed. I think of about a carpenter framing something. A house, a building, or making furniture. He's molding and fashioning and shaping things, putting it together. And that's what we do in our mind. And we use it too many times. Not in Christ, in peace, but in fear in worry, in anxiety. And we frame things. And once it's framed, what do we do with it? Because first we just imagine the thought, and then we frame this thing, we've built this thing, and then we want to occupy it. We want it to live in it. And so we bring life to it through the conception of our thoughts. We bring life to it. We conceive it. And all along, we could just do the opposite and look at it and say, you know what? I'm going to use my imagination to think good. I'm going to use my imagination. And I'm going to frame those thoughts and start making something out of it. And I'm going to bring it to pass through conception and begin to, to conceive this thing. And bring it forth so that all would benefit. That's living in Christ. That's living in peace. And he said it's going to be that he trusts in him. He says, because he trusteth in thee. You trust in God. And that's why I said that if you're going to live life, and you're going to live it in peace, you're going to have to learn to trust God. Trust his word. Trust him. If you want to live in peace. Now, if you just want to have peace and carry it around and maybe take it out of your pocket and open it up like a wallet and show people pictures of peace. If you want to live that way, okay. But if you want to live in peace, it's going to take trust in God. So we can be Christians who walk around and tell everybody what we have, but don't live. And try to convince them that we have it. Or we can actually live it. And they'll come to you and they'll say, how is it that everything is going crazy and you're at peace? Well, it's because I trust in him more than I trust in me. I don't trust in our government. I don't trust in our politicians. I don't trust in my checkbook. I don't trust in the system. I trust in God. And God said, this was going to happen. He's coming again. And he's going to find me when he comes Doing what he sent me to do. You see on that first Christmas night. God made the way for you and I. To have peace with him. Through faith in the one he sent to save us. He said I'm going to give you peace. And it's coming through him. Peace is in that manger. Peace into this world is in him. And I'm giving him to you. That's what he's saying. That's what Paul was talking about in Romans 5. He said, I give our peace is because of what Jesus did for us. In addition, God made the way for you to enjoy peace, but not just peace, the peace of God in our daily walk. We can have the peace of God. As you walk in obedience unto the one who sanctified, uh, sacrificed all for us, and did so with pleasure. God found pleasure. The Father found pleasure in giving you peace. The Father found so much pleasure in giving you peace, it cost him everything. I mean, his son, crucified, spat upon, beaten, accused, all these things. The Father found pleasure on so that you would be whole. Now I like that. So, on that holy night in Bethlehem, about 2,000 years ago, God gave us peace with himself through Jesus. Peace with him, peace in ourselves. And having peace with God is so simple that we miss it. It's been provided, the work's been done, and it's been done perfectly. Jesus didn't take any shortcuts. He says, I'm giving you my peace, my peace, and it came from my Father. And you receive it simply by faith in the shed blood of Jesus. And that's what we celebrate this time of year. We celebrate that peace, the Prince of Peace has come. Living the peace of God is a little harder for us because it depends to a degree on our continued realization that we have peace with God. And the more we realize that we have peace with god the more we respond to his love the easier it is to live in peace so let's close in prayer the lord bless thee and keep thee the lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee the lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace merry christmas i love you Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.